Blog Talk Radio. Hello world, this is TJ Morris and you're listening to ET Radio. Welcome aboard all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet, Earth, Gaia, Terra. We're glad to have a mad painter, our producer, Thomas Becker, author, artist, and have him come on here in a minute. We're going to have Janet Carol Lesson, our ACO Association, ACO Club co-host over in Hawaii. I don't see her yet. So she was out in the car, out and about, so she may be here in a few minutes. But tonight we're introducing, uh, with myself, Teresa J. Morris, your host, the UFO Association of the UK. That is the United Kingdom on the other side of the pond from the United States of America with a friend of mine in social media, Tina Bird. She and I have been friends on uh, Facebook, and she's got some interesting photos that drew my curiosity, so I had to get to know her a little better. And uh, she says she's not really a UFO research, no, she's a ufologist, but uh, she does research UFOs like I do, alienology. But uh, she and I wouldn't be really considered ufologists, but we both have been alien contactees. And a mad painter says he's only seen a light, but he has always been a big artist and author of the paranormal, supernatural, UFOs, aliens, ETs, and we're all uh, UFO enthusiasts. And uh, Janet Carolesson of Hawaii has been a big supporter and advocate of ufology, alienology, and been to all the conferences that she's met uh, people like Travis Walton, Zachariah Sitchin, and along with Dr. Uh, Alexander Sasha Lesson, who both uh, brought me to Revolution Radio for a while with Ahmed, and then I decided to come back and stay with my little groups here, ACO Association and UFO Association, and have asked Tina Bird to help represent all the people that she's met and what she knows as an experiencer. And she's came out, I came out in 2007. Uh, with UFO Digest and as an author of books about my alien contact information with my husband, Thomas Ray Morris, who has seen past Agent Morris with President Reagan, President Bush. And our stories are out there on Amazon as uh, just look up books by Teresa J. Morris. And Mad Painter's books are out there by Thomas Becker, uh, or Mad Painter, either one, I believe. That's A-M-A-D, and then space P-A-I-N-T-E-R. So we're both authors, as is Janet Carolesson and, and Dr. Alexander Sasha Lesson. And due to our being authors and artists, we got together in 2012 and started this T.J. Morris E.T. Radio to promote Stargate to the Cosmos. And we've since had Cosmos Radios with a plural with the three of us and uh, other people, including Dr. Lesson, uh, and uh, Thomas Anthony Sinisi, so Thomas A. Sinisi, also known as Tommy Hawksblood. So kudos to everybody out there and all that's been on here, including uh, Eric Von Donneken's uh, friend here. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a friend of mine on Facebook, as well as uh, Travis Walton, uh, Richard Dolan, uh, the great late uh, J. Allen Hynek, who I met in 86, and I'm still waiting on Janet Carelesson, and she's still not showing up, so we may just have to go ahead and let uh, Ahmad and Tina introduce themselves, and hopefully she'll come on, because I did talk to her earlier, and uh, she's probably just running late. But So let's get on the, 
with it, and uh, we'll be discussing quite a few people in the show, or at least the last hour of people that uh, are going to be known in the UFO Association in the UK, because Tina Bird has been very interested in our UFO secret space groups, our alien contact organizers, and uh, UFO Association, and she's met quite a lot of interesting people. And uh, we're going to discuss that in the second hour for sure. But the first hour, let's listen to her story. But let me get a Mad Painter on here and let's get a sound check with him. A Mad Painter, you're in, uh, not Florida, you're in Georgia, right? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Okay, yes, go ma'am. ahead and introduce yourself. And let's, let's make sure the sound sounds great and then we'll get Tina on here. I'm known as a mad painter mostly. My name's Thomas Becker, and I'm a manager, producer, and uh, host at Revolution Dot Radio. Uh, I'm an artist, uh, somewhat uh, would be art uh, author if somebody buy my books. <laughs> Other than that, I'm just a normal person. Okay, and Tina Bird, would you like to introduce yourself for us? Hello, I'm just uh, Tina Bird from the UK, uh, contactee. Great, and we'd like to hear your story, Tina. You and I got together in 2018, and moving forward, the UFO Association will reprogram itself with who's who in America and who's who in UK. Hopefully, with our help, between the two of us, we can figure out who's who. So I'm excited to have you on my radio show that will be on Spreaker and uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, FM Radio. And also, we're going to have you on the YouTube, so you'll be able to find yourself under UFO Association UK Tina Bird Alien Contactee. That's the name of our show. Now, Tina, why don't you tell us, uh, we grew up, you know, on this side of the pond, or the Atlantic Ocean. I guess people know that that's called the pond. I don't know where that came from. Maybe you do. But anyway, we're over here in the USA, so any help? I've been over there to... Uh, the UK many many times on investigations in my history and then with the military but uh, you know I flew into Heath, Heathrow right and it was always raining it seemed yeah. I had to go over to uh, uh, Lloyd's of London and uh, what was uh, Interpol things like that because of uh, the type of work I did but let's talk about you and how you got into all of this Where, what part of the UK were you born what part? I was born in the southern part of the UK in a place called Hampshire, Southampton. How far is that from the London where I flew in? Oh, the furthest part south you can get uh, in England. <laughs> if you look right down from Heathrow all the way down the map, I'm right at the bottom there by the other way. Oh, okay. And you went to uh, school there. Tell us about your education and your family. Born in Southampton, I was born at home. All my family are from Southampton in Hampshire area, and I went to school, education in Southampton at the local uh, school and college, and uh, yeah, went on from there. And I've always been a, a Hampshire girl living in the UK. Did you have any brothers or sisters that we would uh, know or uh, mention that they're still alive there in the UK? Yeah, no, I have uh, three brothers. I don't have any sisters. All my family are boys. I'm the only girl. Um, and I have uh, 
uh, two older brothers and a younger brother. So one of my younger brother, well, my younger brother Paul, he does a bit of acting and things like that on TV. But uh, yeah, no, uh, just boys in my family, I'm afraid. And you work uh, presently. You're working at a zoo. So uh, Matt and I were interested in that. Of course, everybody loves animals, I guess, people, place, and things. But tell us a little bit of how you got into that, and then we'll get into how you got into all this alien abduction your whole life and coming out in 2009. But first, tell us about how you got into the zoo business, animals or whatever, environmental. Uh, oh, yeah, oh no, yeah, I've always loved animals. Um, I Before I joined the zoo, I worked for the local... Um, uh, what you call local government and councils. I worked in uh, uh, children's and family group and fostering, and I uh, did a bit of fostering here in the UK and uh, as a part of the uh, treatment program in Oregon in the States as a clinical practitioner for um, Southampton City Council. And uh, from there, I went to um, work for a private healthcare group in nursing, and when I left there, I worked at an airport and worked at the zoo. I, I do um, I work for catering and environmental services there. I'm the head of health and safety at the catering outlet. And I get to see all the lovely animals every day, speak to all the zookeepers, see all the different species we have. And, yeah, it's a lovely place to work. I attend lectures. They give uh, fantastic. They do great work around the world. Wow, how that's so great. So how did you get, I know you came out, you said you came out in uh, 2009. I came out in the uh, UFO biz. I uh, wasn't allowed to really because I was a real investigator and, and worked for rich attorneys and the government. So I wasn't allowed to really talk about it, even though I'd been familiar with it since 1967. Before that, I had two experiences uh with them, one dying and one having me go over to White Sands, New Mexico, and meet a family of, I don't know how we say it in today's consciousness, but I always thought we had uh, ETs as aliens as a family plus those on the earth. But uh, tell me a little bit about your story, if you don't mind. I've since starting to run this radio show since 2012, but it came out in 2007 on UFODigest.com and written books and been on a few radio shows. So how did you get into all this? So uh, I've been, uh, I grew up having contact um, all my life, and as a child you don't realise what's going on and that you're being taken. And there comes a point in your life when you have realisation about what is happening and what is going on. Yes, it is happening to you. And then because you're not taken every day or all the time, like memories fade and you get on with your life, and um, I didn't. I didn't ever think I'd tell anybody. It wasn't until actually, I never told so really until 2000, just after 2016. Um, my partner became very ill, and um, it, it after an abduction episode. And um, from the moment he woke up um, after the experience, literally, I, I witnessed what had happened. And he said that he's his throat and um you know, he he was having a lot of trouble and I just I was too frightened to tell him what I saw. I was waiting for him to say if he remembered something and he didn't. So but he became very ill from that. And so I contacted tried to contact somebody in Britain and I reached out to a gentleman called Gary Hesseltine 
he's a well-known ex-policeman uh, in the UK, and um, he is the founder and editor of the UFO Truth magazine. And when I uh, contacted him for help, he said, look, Tina, I do a lot of investigating, but the man I can put you in touch with to actually give you help is a gentleman called David Hodrin, the chairman of BUFOG, that's the UFO group in uh, England. And he's considered the David Attenborough of ufology in, in Britain uh, for contactees. And I found, I left it a little while because I didn't think Gary Heseltine would reply to me, and he did. So I thought, oh, am I going to sound like a nut? Because you do, you do, you do think. And um, so I contacted David, and he got back to me, and we spoke straight away. We hit it off. I spoke to him for about three hours on the phone, told him everything in one kind of go. And he said, look, I'll um, reach out to people in the UFO community to see if they can find something similar that's happened, to see, you know, if there's any help we can give your partner and me. And he did. Um, he uh, investigated my case over a period of about 18 months, just under two years. We met a few, quite a few times at different conferences. Uh, we've given lectures together. Um, and on the Boofog website, the Birmingham UFO group, if you go into contact cases, You'll see a very extensive, detailed um, case because it is one of the biggest I think they've had in the UK. And all my pictures, evidence, photographs, scans, drawings, medical records, everything uh, is on there. And um, that's the reason I reached out was to get help for my partner, um, who since he's just making a recovery now. Um, yeah, and I'm very grateful to Gary Hesseltine and uh, David Hodrin. And that's how I first initially um, came out with what happened at my experiences. So um, from there, I explained to him like, what happened when I was a child. Uh, it started around the age of six or seven years for me, and it went on from there. I mean, uh, my first experience was I, I literally, I just woke up in the middle of the night, don't know why. I, I, I remember having a big night. Sorry. Oh, sorry. That, Keep going. That was That's a phone okay. coming on, um, so I can hang uh, this one up and put get on. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> so you came out. Uh, you uh, start told your stories uh, as a child, but not until you met Gary Hazelton. Did he break your story? No. Uh, yeah, In other well, words, he did. Um, David Hodrin. Yep. So um, uh, publicly was. Gary Heselton. Okay, now he runs the UFO Truth magazine, but he's the constable or officer, right? And then this other man, do you know how to spell his last name so we can look him up, the other person in the UK? He, did you mention that he was with MUFON? Uh, MUFON no, so, UK? Uh, uh, oh, MUFON is, um, is a gentleman called Andy Akers. And um, I've spoken to Andy, and he is... Um, I think he's, I'll, I'll give you the spelling of his name in a minute, Akers. But the other gentleman is with the BFOG group, that's David Hodrian, that's H-O-D-R-E-I-E-N, H-O-D-R-I-E-N, yeah, David Hodrian. And uh, he runs David. the um, Birmingham UFO group. David Hodrian, Birmingham H-O-D-R-E-I-E-N. UFO group. Yeah, he's the chairman. Oh, Okay. 
Well, I'm glad we're getting their names even in the first part because we're going to talk about a lot of people at the last hour. But okay, but they're part of your story as far as being public in uh, magazines, media, radio shows type things yes, before I you did. met other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, they said it's one of the biggest cases they've had in the UK. He's given lectures on it at conferences. We've given joint lectures together about it. He's spoken on the radio uh, a few times about it because he's a prolific uh, radio guest um, in the UK very well known in the um, ufology world and yeah he's met he's got lots of experience behind him knows exactly what he's talking about and yeah he put me in touch with some other contactees and um, he also writes for Gary Heseltine's magazine the UFO Truth magazine and Gary and him launched my in the last four issues of the UFO Truth magazine in the UK uh, they put my story um, in it can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. I think we're having a bad connection, though. Can you hear me, uh, Ahmed? Oh, yeah. I don't have a problem hearing you. Okay. Keep going. We we can hear you fine, Tina, in the UK. Okay. So, <laughs> Late. Yep. <laughs> yes. Across the pond. Um, yeah. So, uh David did that. He's arranging some uh, regression hypnotherapy this year. Um, we did our last one talk together uh, for the Hampshire UFO group in, I think it was uh, November this year, last year. Um, so getting back to um, my case. So my first ever experience as a child was literally up in the middle of the night, uh, six, seven years old. I'm not sure what woke me up. I was just about alert. Um, it was middle of the night. My brothers were in their room asleep. Um, I could hear my mum and dad in their bedroom. They were asleep. And um, all of a sudden there was a light, a bright white light, shone through the, came straight through the roof, straight through the floor, literally in front of me, a few yards in front of me, a few feet in front of me. And um, it was a bright white light that went from the ceiling through the floor. I stood in the entrance of my uh, bedroom and there's a, a face made of light literally there's a face formed in the light big round face that filled the hallway like a man and it just shot towards me as I turned to run away into my bedroom the light hit me and I don't remember anything I blacked out after that point and then it wasn't until um, a little while later some months on and a couple of years later that um, when I had the um, experience of like flying and the bright white light again. And then it wasn't until I started getting body markings, like waking up with tiny holes in my leg. Um, and and uh, like a bit, uh, once or twice, I had a, bit, a few drops of blood in my mouth. And I had, throughout my life, it felt like my teeth were being drilled when they like, took me into the white light. And it felt like my teeth were crumbling and it looked like you had chalk in your mouth. And they glued, it felt like they glued my teeth back together. And it was, it was that went on throughout my life, um, that, like the drilling. And it just stopped in my mid thirties and um and then uh like in between that so it wasn't all the time. It wasn't until late teens, early twenties, I had a bit of a, like a flashback. Uh what you call a flashback of them um uh one incident I was on a table, a metal table, and uh, just sat up like a thirty degree angle looking down my body 
and they had this black grid over my legs so it was like a bright orange light and uh, they were testing um, it looked like they were burning uh, marks and holes into my legs testing different squares but I couldn't smell any burning I couldn't feel anything I couldn't move and um, yeah and I had a flashback of that of them doing it to me as a child so it was a memory and then you wasn't till um, you know you get realization and the realization for me is um, when you realize like the penny drops about what's going on and one of my most experiences that was burned into my memory I think was um, I woke up uh, on this table once and I could see down my body and um, now I have I didn't realize I had each time this has happened I've had like a gray mist in my head now as all I can describe it as a gray mist and um, I remember all my life and as a child it's quite familiar but um, I now know it is the link I call it the link and uh, when this being, I don't know why they call them quite like greys, because they're more like white. Under the bright white light, they look white, very small. And um, if you go onto the Bufog website, you'll see the little drawings I've done drawn. And when they are close to you, these beings are close to you, I can understand what they're saying. And when they look over, lean over into your face, um, you know, people say that they look at you, but when they look at you, um, is to see if you can link with them. And when you link with them, the closer they are, it's like radio, but built in your head, uh, the better reception you have. So the, the, what I call him, the one that knows me, I, there's not a name, I, he just, when I see him, or he's close to me, he links with me, and I just, I just know him as the one that knows me. And mainly, nearly all encounters that I've had, have he's been there. Um, and I say that he, there's no, you can't see, there's no sex organs or anything like that. You just, in the link, they have a male presence. Um, I met a female one once, but mainly the ones I've met have all been, and the smaller ones, they all look like each other. So um, I'd just call them like little jelly babies, but they look like they're white, they're about two and a half, three feet tall. The one that knows me is about four, four and a half feet tall, and he looks different to the rest of them. The little jelly babies, link to each other but can't link to everyone in the link the taller ones can link with them all and different lots of things that I learned when they took me but this one specific incident I'm waking up and the one that knows me is next to me and um, I'm lying on this bed naked and they're doing um, a procedure on my chest now they're actually inside my chest and the one that knows me realised I was awake um and uh, the and this is the first time I really knew that they could communicate with me is because the three little ones to my right, sorry, to my left, physically stopped what they were doing and looked at him. Now, um, he stopped me hearing what they were thinking and um, he was showing me images in my head and he was quite surprised that I understood what he was they were doing. And he showed me the symbols like the male and female. I think it was like some kind of science talk he was giving them. Um, they were obviously interested in what he was saying because I don't think he was supposed to be talking to me. And blood splattered from my chest. I'm not sure what they were doing. Um, onto one of them. He freaked out a bit. And um, everything went a bit bright white light for a few seconds. 
and but in the link i realized that they felt the, the smaller ones like they were very like cold inside and, and didn't want to fix me i think he made them fix me and that was one of the episodes that i really think um that stuck in my mind till the next time um uh i had a, like a little run of um when they take you they can take you like once and then nothing for five or ten years or they take you two or three times in a very short period for whatever reason i don't know but on one of the other times they took me i just call it the black pod incident one i was um taken um a few years ago again i was laid on this like silver bench and there's loads of them uh loads of the little ones and there i've seen them quite a few different like types of them but the ones on my right, there were loads of little beings, and um, they were all together. It was definitely some kind of experiment. And the one that knows me again, he was on my left, and I knew he was there because all I could—I was laid there looking like up at the bright white light shining down, and I just—I could—I linked to him straight away. It must be the closer they are, because you can link without physically seeing them. Because he was so close to me, he linked with me. Then I knew it was him. It's like a scenting in your head. And then he like looked over my um, my right eye uh, from the right hand side, and I knew it was him. I could see him, and I just felt relaxed. The second I saw him, I knew it was all going to be alright, and I felt relaxed. I felt very calm, and um, I don't like being laid down. They obviously know that. If I agree to um, behave myself, they they sit me up. So if I agree to behave myself and I cooperate, they'll do it. Now people say they say that you have a uh, uh, sleep paralysis and they put a lot of abduction experiences down to sleep paralysis well I actually had that when I was uh, 15 and I had a terrible episode uh, one evening of sleep paralysis now sleep paralysis I was face down on the bed my right hand side um, at my shoulder was like to the right hanging over the edge of the bed I was face down it felt like there was somebody in the room with me I had, like, blurred vision. I couldn't move. I felt paralysed. I knew I felt paralysed, and I was panicking because I couldn't breathe. There was a presence of someone in the room. I mean, it really freaked. It was the worst thing I ever really experienced. Now, when you're being taken, you don't know that you can't breathe or you can't move. When you have sleep paralysis, it's like being ill. If you ever, like, vomited or sick, and you panic for a couple of seconds because you can't catch your breath and your body takes over and you know you can't breathe. That's the difference. When you're taken, you don't know that you can't breathe. If you don't know that you can't move, you can only... You don't realise that you, you can't feel, or feel your body or you have no control because you don't know you're only looking at what's going on in front of you. It's, it's not until they allow you to get up or move or release you that you, you even know what's going on. You can only see, you have no control over what happens. You can't even think, you can only watch. Now, it's not because of... Um, I only learned this from of years of being taken. If you were taken once or twice, you'd doubt yourself and wouldn't know. But it's only because this happened to me repeatedly over the years that, I, I, I you know, you learn to accept it or you realise what's happening and you... And you Sometimes you can just use it to your advantage. I just I learnt so much from them being in their link. Um, so going back to being on the table on their link, um, they sat me up. It was definitely an experiment about what was going to happen. And um, the one that knows me said, um, 
the other thing about the the Wi-Fi, the link, is that the others that were there, I could hear them all. Now, they can choose to block you. And then, um, so it's like a two-way mirror. You can listen to everything they've said, seen, and done, but they can hear you listening in the link as well. So the one that knows me said, look, we're going to stand you up, sit you up. If you agree to behave yourself, we'll sit you up. So I agreed to behave myself, they sat me up. He stopped me from hearing the others. Now, I don't know if that's made it easier for them or him to communicate to me or to stop me hearing what they were saying and doing. Now, they, it was definitely an experiment. It all went bright white, kind of bright white, and then we were in another room, so they must have moved me to another location or shit. It was definitely like a different Wi-Fi link. But uh, when I was in this room, uh, it was a bigger kind of room, and I could see loads of them to my right-hand side, but they seemed to be frightened. They seemed to be huddled together. I've never seen that kind of behaviour out of them before. They were huddled together uh, in the uh, right side, and the one at the left side, I mean, the one that knows me was on the right, and he kind of looked, stepped forward again to say, yes, I was here. And he's kind of like, yeah, you're on your own now for this bit. And I really panicked. I thought, oh, God. And um, all of a sudden, something on my right caught my eye. And it was like a, a, like a, a an unwinding movement, like a very slow snake movement. And all of a sudden, now I work at a zoo, and I've never, ever seen a creature like that. This thing, I was on this bed. Um, it looked like I had some rag on the front of me before I've always been naked. And this thing, um, its neck must have been 12 to 15 feet long. Its head was wider than my body. And it was like a triangle-shaped kind of very large head. And it looked like some a cross between a snake and a octopus. And this thing, I thought I was going to die. This thing came up, reared up from the right-hand side, went over the body and its head went up my body and I just thought it was, it was going to eat me it stopped over my stomach for a couple of seconds and then it came down towards me and that's when I thought I was going to die and it, it just stopped and it uh, under its like black eyes I could see it had lens and it was just looking at me it didn't want to link with me at all you could tell it didn't want to link with me and um, the eyes were just staring at me and all of a sudden it, was, like, it just wanted to see like me um, and then it just like it all went bright white light and I was um, back in the room with the um, in the first room where I had agreed to behave myself in, in there and they wanted to get on with what was next and um, when they did that I, uh, they allowed me to um, stand up and I stood up I felt controlled from behind and I had like a um, bitterness taste in my chest like because um, I'm allergic to anaesthetic and a lot of other things if they give me anything, I can taste it in my chest. I don't know how to explain that, but I just do. And then, um, all bit of poor connection there. And um, as I stood, sorry, it's a bit of poor connection. I do apologise. Uh, so as I stood up, I walked to the end of this bench, and I could see um, something looked blurry, very dark. The lights went down a lot, and I could see. I could see with these black pods. Um, and these black pods were about two, two, three feet tall. Uh, looked like in the 70s. Do you remember the glass black coffee cups that looked smoky coloured? And when you filled them up, they looked like black glass. Well, these pods looked exactly like that. 
and all of a sudden something caught my eye just behind it. It was one of these little creatures, but a different skin tone coloured one. It ran towards me. It was so quick and it ran just in front of me. It came out of nowhere from behind the pod, just stopped uh, in a few feet in front of me and I could got the distinct feeling. It was on another link, so I knew the link was different. We were on a different ship because each ship has a different link, but they all linked. And I knew straight away that um, I got Sorry, Janet, you're breaking up. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Amanda, can you hear me? We had lost you at all. You've been fine. Okay. Oh, okay. So, um, did you want me to continue? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. Okay. So, the black pod, yeah, so this thing, its face didn't move. And um, it was—it perceived me. I knew straight away it perceived me as a threat, and it was trying to protect the pod. It didn't—it didn't want to hurt me, but it perceived me as a threat. So it stood in between me and the pod. Now the one that knows me was obviously in charge. Um, was obviously in charge and made him eat. Like kind of made him stand back. So he kind of ordered him to stand back, and it did. And I could hear the others pushing against um, the link. Um, and I think the other, the, the the one that knows me was um, trying to keep them out of my head. From they were monitoring everything, like from my pheromone level, my hormone level, my blood pressure. They were monitoring my behaviour, my heart rate. They was monitoring everything. That knows me was just saying no. You know, I I think I had an urge. I didn't ask. I think I had an urge. I wanted to touch one of these pods to see what was in it because I didn't know at that time. And I could hear the others pushing and. Uh, because I think there's so many of them kind of asking the same questions at once I could hear in the link and one was saying oh you know is she going to hurt it and he's saying no she's just um, she just wants to see what's in it she's not going to hurt him and blah 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 but as they let me approach this pod it was, was very controlled it felt like I was walking on very brittle concrete it wasn't just felt like that as I walked forward I could see inside this black pod had a tiny red light. As I got closer to these back pods, then it, it was like um, the light went on. I, I twigged. They were all babies. They were growing babies. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these pods going back, these glass blacks, and they were all babies in there. They looked to be like eight, long, eight months along, uh, you know, as they would in the womb. And um, I wanted to touch the glass, and they had a conflab again. He said, no, let her touch the glass. So I, as I touched the glass, uh, this black pod, it looked like metal at first, but it wasn't. It was glass. Well, I thought it was glass. As I touched it, it was like the floodgates opening. Um, I've never seen them panic before, but um, the second I touched it, there was hundreds and hundreds of little female voices. They were all my voices talking to each other. They're like telepathically linked. They were all talking to each other as babies. The second I realised that they were all females, they freaked. They they all rushed into my head in one go. They were all searching for. Um, they couldn't break the link. That, that that panicked them. They didn't know how I could link with the babies, and it really freaked them out. But I knew that they were all female. Not everyone in the little group that that we knew that they were females knew that I knew that they were females. They, they were looking for the information in my head how I knew that they were all females. 
I didn't know how I knew that they were all females, and it really freaked them out that they didn't know how I knew. And they were all in my head, turning everything over, looking for an answer, and they couldn't find it, and they couldn't break the link. Um, and I must have asked a question when my hand was touching the glass, and it was, I must have felt cold, and I thought, the babies are cold. And um, the one that knows me replied, said, no, if you see the red light in there, which I could, is up a little tiny red light in the middle. He said, the babies get everything in there that they would from a, a human being. He said, but we can't replicate um, embryonic fluid to the same level as a human. He said, so it's artificial embryonic fluid, but the babies are warm by the little light inside the black pod. Um, and that's how it explained it to me. And I think they were trying to distract me away from taking my hand off the pod. And I saw this little red light like running my legs like a pulse and run between the floor and it went off. As I let go of the pod, um, I started to follow the red light very slowly and they showed me their energy they used, how they run their ship, the energy. I think they were trying to distract me away from the back from the area or they couldn't control me when I was linked. Um, and uh, they showed me the energy they used on the ship. It was like three boxes um, that like cause a field and it's like a sound wave that goes through all three boxes with like a little carrier wave that and the red light goes through the ship it takes up speed as it goes round and it uses the energy it uses like a little bulb like a light that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and just before it goes into these three boxes it takes what they've used out and they reuse the same pulse to reuse the energy on there from what they showed me and I drew a picture of that and that's on the BFOG website um, then the next thing I know, they yanked me back to the bed because they're obviously the, 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 the eager to get on with what's next. Um, and, um, and the one that knows me said, Look, you know, you won't be able to move for what's going to happen next. He said, So, um, but you know, I, 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 and I'm like, you know, I agreed not to move because they, they paralyze you, you can't move. They put a pheromone. I did learn that to see put a pheromone in the light certain frequency stuns the human body and a certain pheromone they release that stops the brain from working sounds crazy but that's what I learned so they sat me up on this bench and I'm there with this rag normally I'm naked but I had this rag thing on the front of me and uh, the one uh, knows me said right well, you know you, you won't be allowed to move for this part he said but so he stepped back and um, I'm sat up so I can see my feet on the end of this bed. I can just see the black pods there in the distance and the others that are gathered towards me on the right-hand side. And um, the one that got agitated from me being uh, near the pods came towards the end of the bench with this, like a bundle of rags. And as he stopped at the feet of the bench I was on, he had this um, bundle up, and as he pulled the what was the, the would be blanket back, um, this, this, it was a baby. And I just for a couple of seconds I looked at it, and then that's when I freaked. It was a clone. It was a baby of me. The second I looked into her eyes, I linked with her directly, and um, I must. It took me a couple of seconds. She was perfect. It was the, the picture clone. It was a clone of me. She had black hair. She was she was me. She looked very very pink, very very pink. Um, but with the second she opened her eyes, she had their their black eyes. 
but she had all my memories up to like eight months to two years before they just stopped so that baby had 40 years worth of knowledge already when when it was hatched born or whatever they did with it and I freaked because they knew I knew what they did. and then they just yanked me straight back down flat on the bed and they they were so quick the the, the thing that had the, the baby went and it was bright white light over me and the one that knows me kind of came a bit closer and I liked what happened and he said you're upset he said you freak the baby out you frighten the baby I said we're going to sit you up again he said well, you won't even be able to move he said, um, but I had to agree to behave myself, which I did. I'd only be able to, to move my eyes. I would not be able to move my body. He said, and I, I must have asked this question, like, why? And he said, the baby wants to link with you. It needs to bond with you. And he said, do you like agree? And I said, yes. So as he sat me up, it must have been a couple of seconds, I think, this creature then came back up to the left-hand side as the bench I was on. And um, he literally held, he didn't let go of the, the, this baby at all. He like held it at arm's length. He didn't want to be near me at all, this creature. And um, they held him, and, and the baby, the clone of me, was there. And she looked at me in the eyes to link with me. And, um, I, and, I, and I just linked with her. And I said, why, you know, she took, actually, she took a picture. Now, in this picture, in the link, she showed me, I said, why, 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 have you te- why have you done this? Why have you taken this picture? She said, so when the other babies are older and they, uh, they want to know where they came from, they see this image. This image will stay in their link, but this image also contains my pheromone readings, my hormone readings. She showed me the picture of what I looked like to her, and I looked terrible. I looked like I'd been dragged for a pinch backwards. My hair was a mess. It looked like I'd been in a sweat box. My face was like pinky red. I looked like I'd been sweating. I looked awful. But I didn't feel anything. I just looked, I saw the picture and I thought, oh gosh, you know, what picture to show someone? And she said, but that'll stay in the link forever and all the, the other babies will, will know where they've come from and who you are. And with that, they put the blanket back over her face and, 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 and took her away. And, and I asked what had happened, you know, what was going to happen to her. And then that was never answered. And um, it all went bright white light again. Now control me or... Um, I had to agree to behave, and I don't think I was doing it because I was so upset they tried, I think, to distract me. I was in, like, a room, very smaller room, I think, where they go to to put you back. And um, I was either right, or, um, or or just or, or they couldn't get me back in there. And I must have asked a question to distract me. It looked like I was in another room with um, a wall, and on this giant wall had um i thought it was like strips of cartoons going across the wall but as i got closer it looked like loads of tv screens it wasn't it was um i realized i was in the link in the link is like wi-fi but as all their history going back millions and millions hundreds and millions of years and i looked at the top left hand corner i must have asked a question like where do we come from or what as i looked at it this is going to sound really crazy as I looked at the top left-hand picture, it, they put me into a bubble. As you get closer, you step into a bubble. They put me in a bubble that surrounds you, and they put me in the memory. So I could see, actually, at that time and place, you could go back and see that memory live, watch it in the bubble. So they put me in this bubble. I went back to, it looked like um, a planet. It wasn't Earth. And um, it was as... 
I was inside this bubble and this planet, and the, the sky was a different colour to ours, like a peachy, corally kind of colour. <coughs> sky was so huge, it wasn't like, as you look up and see the event horizon in Nath, it, it seemed three times as high. And um, and they had no real mountain. There was like a little rocky ridge. There was no mountains or anything I could see. And oh, it must have been eight to twelve feet guesstimate off the floor because I could see looked like what looked like grass for in the for the distance. But the grass was like our grass. It was thicker and it looked like barley, kind of wheaty barley. But it, it was grass and it was swaying. I think for the motion of the bubble or there must have been wind, but I couldn't feel anything in the in this bubble but there wasn't any clouds or anything and um i couldn't see the sun directly just like like a like a color in the sky and um this mountain range was off to my left as i looked it wasn't like a like a huge mountain it was like a little range it zoomed me within a couple of seconds we were there as i looked and there's this the first thing i saw was um it looked like a Native American man. It was naked on the back of the It was like one of these horses you'd see in Iceland, one of these big, fat, chunky, muscular horses. Um, it was a little bit like that, and he was sat on the back of it looking uh, in the distance. Um, and I thought, can he? And to notice I was there, he obviously couldn't see me. And I shot, and I shot down into the distance. That's okay. I have two here myself. Um, so I shot down into the distance, um, and over this ridge, next to the ridge, down this rock ravine and into the water. And as we entered the water, I could see other mine, the one I was in, hundreds of them, and they had these slightly taller, what looked to be like yellow beings in there. And I didn't know if that was because we were in the water, they looked yellow, or because we were in a bubble or what. And they were underneath the water. And they were like scientific researchers. I asked what they were doing, and he explained to me that they were like scientific researchers. And this is what happened. And um, they were under the water near a volcano, and one of these bubbles got too close to this volcano or, or the, the, the mantle, or it was near this underwater volcano, and it caused um, the magnetic field of this bubble caused some kind of mat- uh, um, electrical like a discharge or interference and it caused a massive explosion or implosion underneath the water. Now this, um, when they talk to you, they use your vocabulary in your head. So people say, well, what do they sound like when they talk to you? Well, it sounds like you're either not talking to yourself, but if they were to speak and they don't, they're supposed to speak out the mouth, sound like, um, you know, the cat is at the door then you know to get out and let your cat or dog out for a week but they don't, they use your vocabulary and he just said to me, like there are scientists underneath the water and this is what happened it caused an explosion like an explosion, like it was like grey kind of, grey, was it like kind of like a coloured bubble and it looked like a whitey bubble and it in and caused other bubbles and as this happened they pulled me out of the bubble I was in the bubble they pulled the bubble backwards now because all of these bubbles are linked to the link and all these links go to all the different ships they all knew instantaneously that this is explosion had happened now, everything they see is recorded in their link 
So everyone who's attached to the link and can see their memories, it's like recorded um, vision, all of their recorded memories collectively. They will do it once what happened. All of a sudden, as they pull me back out of this planet, there's huge, great big cigar-shaped ships that were launching all these little round white spheres out. Hundreds of these spheres were coming out these great tubes, and they went down into the planet, and they were taking like air samples, water samples, bits of dirt. Um, they were taking everything, collect everything they could in these bubbles to save what was left. I think they had like just say half an hour to clear the planet before it completely the planet got ripped apart and exploded. As that happened, it, it wasn't like slow motion, but they pulled me back and this planet like ruptured. I know they lost loads of beings or people and ships, but it threw everything kind of forwards. And as that happened, we, we got pulled along with it. And the bits of this planet was hitting, I think, other planets or it just got shot forward so fast. We got shot forward with it and we were in front of, I'm not sure if we were alongside it, in front of this explosion and we went past another planet and then it looked like Earth, I've never seen Earth in space at the time um, but everything stopped and it was like slow motion, all these little orbs and ships just waited, they were waiting for something and all of a sudden all this like, debris and huge chunks of this planet which was originally where we came from our planet went into the earth and hit the earth and they still didn't go in they waited again i'm not sure what they were waiting for i didn't i didn't get what they were waiting for they waited again and then all of a sudden all these ships shot into the earth and then that's all i that's all i really remember then they like pulled me back out of the bubble so that when i asked the question must have been where do we come from that was the answer i got and then they put me back so i'm not sure if i'd calmed down enough for them to put me back um, uh, and that was that kind of um, encounter. One of the most um, ones I had near that experience was um, what I call the coat, haver, uh, coat hanger experience. It was like a. I was. Did you say? Did you say coat hanger? Yeah. So, what? Yeah. So, what? What? Right. So, I'll go explain it now. So, when you're in the light, you're stunned and you can't move. I think that's what saved me for a couple of seconds because I didn't realise they'd taken me. I remember the bright white light flash, and um, I must be allergic to the light, or it doesn't work as it should on humans on me. They use a certain frequency of light to subdue humans. They have either used it too much on me or it doesn't work or I don't know. But all I remember is being in front of this giant like searchlight with a little box in the middle of it, which must have been a theremin. Um, I didn't realise that I was on like a... Um... So imagine like, have you ever been to a dry cleaners and they have like a track on the, on the, on the ceiling and uh, they have coat hangers on them? You know what I'm on about? Uh, are you serious? I mean, all right, Amanda, are you getting yeah. this? <laughs> I'm sorry, we're we're very American and we're very Southern American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was born in New York, but Ahmed, can yeah, you follow some, her? Yeah, they have tracks that they hang the clothes on and they throw them in a thing to steam them. So yeah, so it looks something like that, but on a larger scale. As I 
I moved. I didn't realise I was on it for a couple of seconds. That must be what saved me for a couple of seconds. As I moved out of the light, I didn't realise that I was on a track or travelator or whatever um, you want to call it. And uh, it took me a couple of seconds to realise that I was awake. And uh, I must have been about 12 feet off the floor in the air. And it wasn't until this track moved again. Um, I saw the one that knows me. Now, um, it was like being, well, definitely on a different link. And there was loads of different beings and different types of beings, like the ones with this huge little head. It was a little mark on the side of its head, like a vein, and it one on the belly, like a giant belly. But we had tiny little legs. There were two of them stood at the back, to the left, right at the back. Um, they were very close together, and I got the feeling that they were very, very, very old. And there were small, like, jelly babies, like, in the, what I would say, pit below me, working on these black control panels. Um, that just lit up like black panels and they were touching the panels and that and the one that knows me stopped now he must have stopped the others from because I linked with him straight away the second I looked at him I linked with him and he didn't move but he was talking he was linked to me and he was observing me to see my behavior what I was going to do he didn't know but he didn't want to alert the others that I was awake um, three little ones that he was with the three little old Cordella babies looked physically turned their head up from what they were doing and looked at him now uh, because he obviously stopped talking to them and was like monitoring me they did not like the fact that they couldn't link with him because he was linked with me so it was obviously like an interrupted call if you like and as it as this travelator thing moved with me on it that's when I realised I was on this rail and it moved to the left and like a sideways movement and then I could see hundreds and hundreds of other human beings all hung up like on meat hooks that they went down the back like a coat hanger I couldn't see the top of it and the gentleman to my left who, who turned he had like a grey silver suit on uh, short brown hair um, they all had that eyes open but they were they, they all looked awake but they were asleep you didn't there's nothing and there was like men and women hundreds and hundreds of humans on this um like coat hangers and this like long hook went down the back of the neck to the middle of the shoulder blade and there's like a hook that went underneath uh the shoulder blade and underneath up under the arms and they were all hung up like that we were all that's on the twig that we were all hung up by that and this thing moved again slightly to my left and I could see the others in the pit, and it stopped again. And the one that knows me was there. And all of a sudden, the one there was like they were working at workstations. The one probably at the next table back or the next panel back put his head up and he realised I was awake. And he freaked. And they were so quick. He was so quick. By the time he hit the one, uh, the one that realised he did that, and the others in a second. The second the other one realised I was awake, they all knew. I don't know how he knew I was awake or because I was linked to the other one. The second he realised I was awake, he became very, very angry. Literally ran. It took him, I'm not sure how long it took him. He was so quick and he leapt. He ran towards me, leapt up and he touched my head with something. And the second he touched my head, he put an image of a spider in my head to stop me remembering uh, but in that couple of seconds, he was trying to explain to them, and this one that touched me on the head that um, I was from an old bloodline they, they thought was extinct on the earth. 
and before he could explain that, um, he touched me on the head, and I and I don't remember anything after that um, on uh, on that experience. And um, yeah, I woke up, and I was a little while later, um, a couple of days later, I was due to have my passport photo taken, and I went to a place in Southampton uh, to a post office to have my passport photograph taken for my passport, and. Um, I was in this shop with my mum and um, went into a photo booth. Oh, this is back in the um, uh, a few years ago, and um, we were stood there waiting for the film to be developed. And, and my mum started shouting, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" In the shop, and everyone's looking at her in the post office. And I go, "Mum, what's the matter?" She said, "Look, there's something wrong with this machine." And she was pulling my head back and looking at my neck. I said, "What's the matter?" And uh, she showed me this, picked up the photographs and the pe- pack of four photographs. And I had my picture on there, but with like a black, thick mark around the base of my neck, like really bad bruising. I'm like, oh my God. I thought there's something wrong with the machine. You couldn't see any marks on my neck at all. But it, it obviously showed up on the light in this photograph. So we got in the car, took the pictures with us drove about a quarter of a mile to a mile into another town, the Wolfton, just down the road in Southampton. And there was a Woolworths. It's like a kiddie's toy shop at the time. And they had a, a photo booth in there. So I put my money in and had another this bruising around the neck. So I went to see my GP either that afternoon or the next morning. Um, GP's my doctor. I went in to see my doctor and I sat down and he said, what can I do for you, Tina? And I showed him the photographs. I told him what happened and he pushed the photographs away and he said, oh, there's something. He didn't want to look at me, didn't want to touch him. He said, there's something wrong with the machine. I said, yes, I thought that. And I produced a second set of photographs. I said, these are from Woolworths and Walston, a different machine. Then he changed his tune and he looked at me. He said, okay. So he looked in my mouth, in my nose, in my ears. Uh, he pushed my neck. He had a look at my eyes, everything. And he said, does anything hurt? I said, like, no. And he said, I can't send you to A&E with the pictures. Um, I felt my neck and my chest and everything. And um, he said, um, I can't send you to A&E because nothing hurts. He said, what I suggest is um, if you have any pain, come back. He said, because you're not playing, complaining of throat ache or neck ache or headache, he said, I can't do anything but go back in five days' time to where you had the photographs taken and have another lot of pictures done. And I said, well, why do I do that? He said, um, if the bruising's significantly reduced, you know that you've had an and that it's healing. If the bruising hasn't gone down, come back and we'll have to reevaluate what's going on. So I did what the GP said. I went back in five days, took some more pictures, and the it was still there, but the the the, the, um, the black marks had significantly reduced, and you could see that there was actual bruising there. It wasn't like the black thick marks like from before where it just happened. It's like this, the bruising had gone down, and you could see the other type of bruising around the neck. And he said, yeah, that confirms that you've um, had a um, significant uh, you know, injury and issue. What that will be, I don't know. He said it's too low for like strangulation because it was right at the base of my neck. Um, he said, I've got no explanation for it, but it shows it's healing. He said, but I suggest you go back, he said, and have more pictures taken. But I wasn't about to go and stand naked in a photo booth. So 
because you said certain injuries like all bruising only comes out under the skin under certain light which I didn't know so those pictures are also on the blue frog website I kept those pictures um, and then more recently um, uh, I had, did you want to say yeah. something Amanda? go ahead it's around the hour uh, sorry, Amanda, say again oh, oh no I'm fine I'm listening it's interesting okay Okay, well, uh, we're on the second hour here, Tina. You've done really well. For some people, they may not be accustomed to listening to your uh, voice uh, more, uh, but I'm finding that uh, I can understand most of what you're saying. Sometimes it sort of runs together. Uh, not sure why, except uh, we're, our ears have to get accustomed to the accent, just like you do it. We must sound really slow when we speak to you. <laughs> you speak <laughs> a little faster and run together than we do, I think. Uh, but uh, I'm sure people have a lot of questions. Uh, now, you are going to be going to, uh, are you going to the Truth Magazine UFO Group uh, event uh, there in the UK for uh, one of our associates, uh, an investigator out of Houston where I was, Daryl Sims, is coming over there for the Truth Magazine. Yes, Gary, yes, Hessel Times Conference. Yes, I am. When is that? This month or next month or when? No, um, it's in September or October this year in uh, Yorkshire in uh, Home for Us. Um, oh. So, yeah, that's quite a distance from me. Yeah. So you'll have to travel a long way. Yeah, yeah, about six, seven hours worth of traveling. But I'm uh, going to see and probably speak to, if I can, Linda Moulton Howe in July this year um, uh, from Ancient Aliens and that at the uh, UK uh, Awakening uh, World Conference in July in Birmingham. So I'm going to that as well. And I'll probably see Gary probably be there as well. So you're very active. Uh, so this way... I've posted your pictures on UFO Association as a UK co-director with me to get to know who's who so we can make a directory. I've always meant to for years and years, but it takes time, and my daughter's had leukemia, so she's had me a lot of my time just in my mind. And then Janet Carlesson with the Alien Contact Org and her uh, Stargate to the Cosmos group are uh, getting together events. I worked with them. And then you've already been on uh, Tommy Hawksblood's show a couple of times at least. And he works with me out of Hawaii and uh, his groups. And, uh, of course, I'm Ed Painter on Revolution Radio keeps everybody busy on Sundays and Mondays. But I'm sure we'd like to have you back and helping us know who's who. Now, you uh, – how many times – I want to get an uh, understanding, slow it down a little bit, or as we say, break it down the last hour with you, if you don't mind. Uh, Janet didn't show up. Now, she didn't tell me she wasn't going to be on the show. So uh, that's very curious because remember when we were on earlier talking before we came on. But that's okay. She'll be able to pick the show up and run it on her Aquarian radio. Oh, here she is. She's holding, speaking of the devil, she came on the last hour. Hi, Janet. We were just talking, or I was just talking about you. Hi. I I got stuck in getting my new phones. It takes a long time. So my apologies. And then 
<clears throat> coming out, there was this tra- traffic and a light was broken. They diverted me like a half an hour away. So anyway, it's been a comedy of errors, but I'm here. I'm so glad I'm here. Okay, How's well, you missed the going? first hour. But fine. I apologize. She, she uh, t- gave us a lot of her... Uh, alien say abductee versus contactee. I'm not sure how she feels about it, but we're just going to break it down because she pretty much talked the first hour. It was really good. She's a great uh, speaker, and uh, she has a very normal UK accent, I'm sure, for where she lives, but I'm sure we sound very slow, but, you know, we just have to get used to it listening on uh, our YouTube channels, our Spreaker and iTunes channels. But she's here now, and uh, Janet, have you never spoken to Tina before? No, I've this never met Tina. Hi, Tina. Nice to meet you. Hi, Janet. And you. Yeah. I'm so sorry I missed your show. I, my phone went dead, and I had an appointment, and I, I went at 11. Here it is uh, 2, so it took <laughs> way longer than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. But, um, I keep it coming. So you identify as an experiencer, a contactee, or an abductee? Probably a bit of both, but mainly abductee. Mainly abductee. So you don't have any recollection on any level that um, you agree to this, even on like, like some people say, oh, I agree to it on a soul level. I don't remember on my human ego level, but I've recovered during hypnosis or something that this was a soul contract. And so... Uh, have you encountered anything like that? So, I want to say no, but I don't, all I can tell you is what I actually remember, and that's what I remember. But um, there is a lot more to it, but um, I don't ever remember agreeing to being taken, but I think because I've been taken from such a young age, I'm either used to it, or I don't really, I don't really, like, remember ever either agree to behave myself when I'm there um, but um, I think they're very interested in humans because we have souls we obviously have something they don't or can't do but um, yeah I'm probably in the middle of the road with that I have had some like out-of-body experiences and um, uh, a um, white light um, a soul experience um which was separate i think to being taken but there there is a lot to it yeah so you have you ever been hypnotized regressed to uncover greater details yes um that's happening this year um i think because i live such a long distance from um birmingham the um david hodrin who's um broke my case he did my case is um Mm -hmm. setting up hypnosis um, regression this year for me, hopefully quite soon. So hopefully to learn more then. Yeah, I highly recommend it because it's amazing what is just right under the surface. <clears throat> you you have this one reality and then you go under hypnosis and, you know, they, they of course put in some suggestions for you to forget everything. And some things are really hard to recover, but a lot of it's just right under the surface. And then you start getting clarity and more information. Some people start, um, excuse me a second. <clears throat> Sorry, I need to get something to drink. They um, they start to have contact when they go under in hypnosis. And sometimes all the different species beings that they're 
uh, interacting with come forth and uh, start talking to the therapist and to the person who's regressed and they use the voice of the um, person being facilitated and they don't take them over but they just speak through their voice box and uh, I know lots of people they get you know information way beyond their human capabilities you know they get all this stuff and it's just absolutely this whole field is fascinating and um, so I've learned to realize that I'm very blessed that I have this contact after I've done uh, yeah. therapy on this for 25 years so I I'm at a different uh, point but I highly recommend it. go back to, go ahead Tina back to you you know uh, there is a lot to that I mean uh, in between that they've shown me images and stuff I've learned loads of stuff like they like the water here there's something in the water here that they they, they have water from where they're from but there's something in the water on our planet they like but um, they showed me images of, uh, I've just wrote stuff down. There's the information, they, when they choose to give it to you, is like a, a silver cord being pulled through your head and it goes through so fast. Um, I've just drawn images or I've wrote a few things down that they have shown me. But um, some of it goes through so quick. Uh, they, they give me like numbers or um or something to do with Jupiter. My um, David Hodrin, I give him the numbers I wrote down. I keep a pen and piece of paper next to my bed. And David Hodrin um, put the numbers in uh, the um, uh, computer, and it was something to do with the weight mass of Jupiter or something. And uh, I've drawn on like a star map before of the, this um, place they took me on, on one of their ships to where they were taking the babies to populate another planet. They showed me that. Um, they showed me one of their ships in Jupiter. The other information they they showed me, um, you know. So uh, and they some of them choose that's not their real form. They choose to be in those bodies, so they can do something. When we leave our body as either like an astral projection or we die, when our soul leaves our body, we it does so only when we die, uh, which tells me they when they can choose to be in that body, however long they're in it, they can move and take their spirit or soul with them. We leave our body and our spirit goes on to, there's definitely, you know, an afterlife, whatever you want to call it, or a different reality or wherever. But when we leave our body, when we die, there's definitely something more. So it, so that's very important information. So um, perhaps... That's what we really can do, but we believe we can't because we're in this matrix. Because some people are becoming aware that they are multidimensional beings having these experiences in many levels, forms, dimensions, you know, avatars. I like the movie Avatar. Uh, and once we become conscious and aware that we are inhabiting an avatar, we can go in and out of form or be aware that we already do that all the time anyway. <laughs> I know it sounds complicated, but uh, that's what we're getting from uh, examining, you know, what's happening with a lot of these experiencers. Um, so so that's fascinating. They, so they are not their bodies. Their bodies are uh, something that they choose to go in and out of at leisure. Is that what you're saying? Am I getting that yes. correct? Yeah, they can either... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they can leave their bodies when they choose or they stay them as long as they want. 
Um, I believe that's a very long time, but they choose to be, that's not their true form when you see what they call little greys. I don't know why they call them that, because when you're very close to them, they look bright, glowing white. Fascinating. Um, TJ, would you like to take over with some questions? And I've got to switch to my uh, headphones here. So if you could take over, I'll have two hands and I can try to get my headphones on. Okay. You got it, TJ? Uh, or did you yeah, I had done the head done. Okay, it. go ahead. And I'm going to switch to my, I have these new headphones I want to try out and uh, okay. get this phone phone off my ear. Okay. I'll be here. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Tina, I believe what uh, we do in our alienology groups, our alien contact organization with Janet Carolesson, we, uh, due to her going to many UFO conferences like you have, I've only spoken at the Mid-South Con in Memphis, Tennessee, at the Memphis Hilton in 2016, more as an author of uh, paranormal and science fiction, actually, uh, more of a, uh, it's a huge with thousands of people that come and they have like a Comic Con and a, other things. So Janet, make a little no, noise here, getting her stuff put together, I guess. But uh, okay, how I'll would you like to share? Okay, how would you like to share that uh, you you've gotten involved in the so you can help us. Uh, and help people understand the UFO Association. A lot of people may or may not be scared or be in fear of what they don't understand. But I'd like to have your point of view because uh, you know you're obviously a, a sane woman, and you know you have a, a real job and real brothers and a husband or mate, and uh, you have a life here in virtual reality and in reality in three dimensions, just like I do, Janet and Matt. But you know I've grown up with extraterrestrials and uh, my entire life and uh back uh, i was born 12 26 51 which you may remember the rendlesham forest date also a tsunami in 12 26 in 2005 uh, my birthday my birthday has been very important of course i was born on that date but uh how do you foresee like me my my uh, upbringing with extraterrestrials were nordics on a spacecraft as well as what I thought called ET or angels, and then working with some small greys, uh, but uh, also in the in the military, Navy, intelligence, and paranormal world. As a reader, I became a, uh, a I guess a precog or a psychic medium to some. You know, there's various names for this, but apparently having extra abilities, uh, having died in what you call NDE, out of body experience, near death experiences as a child and then being uh, groomed with people in my family in the military, I have a different uh, way of speaking about my, I don't remember any abductions. I do remember when someone came to my door and uh, said he was, he would never tell me where he's from, but we used ESP and then I've been off playing it with ESP and near death experiences. And then in consciousness, like by location, it's called, so I've got, uh, and also I believe in other dimensions and other universes, but I, I don't know that uh, it's important to separate all of us by alien contactees, experiencers, and abductees, but apparently that's where we're going. And then we also have the various uh, readers that like to help people with their sole purpose and their uh, past life experiences and what part of the universe or what part galaxy they come from. Some people come from uh, inside Milky Way galaxy, the Pleiades group, Orion group, or you'll hear Vega system or 
people that are zeta reticulum, the grace. Would you describe the people or the babies or all that you've spoken for? And I will go back and listen to this on YouTube as I do most of the time at night the next day when they get them all posted on YouTube. But how would you describe the aliens, extraterrestrials, are? beings and babies that uh, how, how do you describe them and how do you want to be known as in our group uh, running the ufo association in the uk can you help with all that so you hit me with a lot in one go there um, <laughs> that's okay um just before that going back to what you said about your birthday and the rendlesham forest incident that sure. is actually quite a prolific thing actually in my life because um, Gary Hesseltime, uh is just uh, doing a thing about Rendlesham Forest he's just made a film with Indigo Films uh, called uh, Cable Green and he's just done that with the direct film director Dion Johnson and I met Larry Warren from the Rendlesham Forest, he was in the US military and also my friend on the, there as well Steve Longero who's just been He's been across the news recently as a witness that has come forward um, in this uh, Rendlesham Forest incident. So about this year, they've going to release a film about the Rendlesham Forest incident through um, Gary Hesseltine's done this. Um, so that's something you can watch at the, the... I'm not sure if it's going to be on YouTube, but the cinema. If you go onto the uh, UFO Truth magazine or Bufog or look it up online, you can see the... Rendlesham Forest incident with Larry Warren and um, Gary Hesseltine and Steve Longero and uh, Dion Johnson. So that's been a, quite a big thing here because it's the British equivalent to Roswell. So well, that's, um, that's quite a very. I yeah, was very, very much a part of that, at least in a extraterrestrial way. I feel very connected to people with uh, Greys and Nordics working together, and also with the. Uh, hieroglyphics and uh, the pyramids and yeah. extraterrestrials, period, because uh, I felt very chosen. I met presidents. I've met very important people and put in place. And I'm just trying to figure this whole story out of how we work together as UFO secret space yeah. groups. As a matter of fact, I have a social media group. I, I, I think you're in it, UFO secret space. Aren't you a member of yeah. that in social media? Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Yeah, it's oh, interesting oh. you saying about that because what you said about the hieroglyphics rings a bell. I think they need to revisit the. I think they're definitely reading the Egyptian hieroglyphics wrong, and um, yeah. there's something more to that. It definitely rings a bell. But as for like what you said about the military side of it, and um, I've met uh, Francisco Carrera. He's the head. He was two down from the president in Portugal for exopolitics. He worked in the military. And... Uh-oh, are you there? In 2017 at uh, a uh, conference, and we had a quick chat, and I watched his presentation about extraterrestrial life and uh, the, the way the military has been investigated in Portugal. So he is the link. We now have links now with politics and uh, I think in Britain um, they're just starting to realise that more with exopolitics they, um, the new title for someone like me now in, in England is uh, they call me um, 
uh, XO Contact D, so I'm not sure how that fits into it. But I've met, um, there's one guy, there's only one person in Germany because of the, the secrecy and things like that, or they don't believe it, or they try and keep it out of the media. The head of XO Politics in Germany, uh, I've met him also, Robert Fleischer. Uh, he is a journalist and he looks into all things uh, to do with ufology and the German military. And he's had dealings with the Russian military. I Germans, when I was on Lowry Air Force Base, came to tell me I had a Q clearance. <laughs> that was a low one at that time. But uh, Q clearance <laughs> was just a generic when I was at Lowry Air Force Base in Denver, Colorado. But uh, I did go to Portugal and uh, I saw a portal in Portugal, in Spain. And uh, believe it or not, I feel like there's some connection to Africa. And uh, maybe some of the old Anunnaki uh, ways uh, with the uh, in Cusco. Uh, I have these thoughts. I don't know; they're just hypothetical. But uh, people like you and Janet and Ahmed. But Ahmed says he's only seen like the stars and the. He does artwork, so he has a very vivid imagination for somebody that hasn't been there. But at the same time, I've always felt like I've known him somewhere out there in space. So I'm really promoting now star seeds or those that feel like they're scientifically made of stardust at least. And maybe they come here with their preconceived uh, uh, soul and their past lives. And some may have extraterrestrial recollection or what we call reincarnation uh, of some lives in the past. I don't know how you feel about because, that, but do you? Do that's you very true, it? actually. But yeah, there's um, have so your theory is actually quite correct scientifically as well. There's a thing called panspermia. Do you know what that is? Panspermia is that what you said? Yeah. So panspermia yeah. is a belief, or it's actually a scientific theory that um, alien or bacteria came to Earth and started life. Now. With no religious, in, you know, in connotations with that, is um, if that is so, you also get with bacteria in any growth of life, you get a memory recognition, like humans have a cell memory, and cover, uh, you know, uh, memories are carried within cells and in brain cells and tissue, and uh, we are part bacteria, we're part viruses, and it's proven that we have memory within our cells, so. It's quite possible that what you're saying is that you've remembered a different dimension or where you've come from, you've remembered a different dimension. And that is either passed down through your bloodline uh, and other, uh, and, uh, other bloodlines. So there is a, a memory or a biological link somewhere along the line or both. So your theory right. is actually quite scientifically correct. Well, thank you. I've never had anybody support me in that, but I guess I've never placed it in the right context or you know, taxonomy or in the right uh, language that someone else could understand. Uh, Janet says I speak Galactica because <laughs> I'm really a, a unique person because I seem to talk in several multi-dimensional or trans-dimensional or bi-location areas at one time. I'm not sure how one uh, explains that. Uh, one of the reasons I came here was to do what we're doing here is, uh, which I didn't understand. I use... Uh, this uh, logo on American Communications Online, I got that magically. There's no other way to explain that to you, uh, Tina, except that in my experiences, 
it was like a crop circle, which you mentioned earlier, and with you being in the UK. But uh, it came to me, and uh, in Hawaii, I was on a spiritual quest and was working with men in black in uniform and out and in the black suits, and I was like a woman in black, but didn't really know it or understand it exactly of what I agreed to in the intelligence world, but I've sort of put it together with CIA, NSA, and other groups in the intelligence, and then I told you in the beginning I came over to work with Interpol and Lloyd's of London and uh, Scotland Yard, things like that. And then uh, Kevin Smith interviewed me before he died. Uh, he was the first one ever. I uh, had many people in social media wanting to interview me because I was writing for UFO Digest, but I would not come out uh, and because my husband and I had very deep understanding of uh, Nordic's grays and uh, President Reagan and President Bush. So our story was intermingled, but finally I did come out and write stories, uh, mostly with the Andromeda Galaxy because I didn't know any other way to share who I was or what I was as a point of view. And then later came out with Janet as Ariel on one of her radio shows, uh, Memories of Roswell, and Jesse Marcel and why I went to uh, meet him in Louisiana and then meet uh, – I never met Stan Friedman, but he, he and I had a – some kind of soul-level communication and talked on phones for years about my experiences with MJ-12, things like that. But uh, I did meet J. Allen Hynek, and apparently I haven't got to see it, but on the History Channel, they're carrying his story. Have you been able to follow J. Allen Hynek and his story of Project Blue Book by chance? Yes. Um, we can't really get it a lot here in the UK. I think someone from LA, one of my friends in LA, sends it uh, over to me. And uh, yeah, I watch uh, J. Allen Hynek's um, uh, Blue Book, Project Blue Book. It's very, very interesting. And I think if you look on my Hive site, I have a, a live video of him talking in 1977 uh, about um, Project uh, Blue Book or Sign at the time. Um, yeah, I yeah, re-upped uh, 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 as a rehire in the Navy in 85, from 67 to 87, but I met, he, he died in 86, I believe, but uh, I met him on the airplane in the sky of all places, and I was reading a Ruth Montgomery book. I don't know if it was pre-planned. I feel like either the Cosmos Universal Source pre-ordains or pre-assigns uh, meetings of souls. I don't know if that's too deep for this UFO show, but uh, I'm not sure. It's a it's a hypothesis, but I did meet him for whatever reasons. I don't think it was the government that put us together, but it may have been because I was already in a Navy uniform again by that time. But I had met uh, Jesse Marcel in 75, and then in 80, you know about the Rendlesham Forest. And I was yeah. traveling in and out of country at that time. And uh, that period of my life between uh, here and the U.K. was extremely important. But uh, it all had to do with ufology, alienology, working with the Greys, the Nordics, and even possibly dimensional time travel, wormholes, uh, learning about dark matter, cosmology, and all of that. But it was very much a secret in my life. Because I was told I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to support myself, and I would sort of disappear as a meme or as a personality, I guess one might say. <laughs> and I've seen it done. And uh, my daughter yeah. signed her joining the government and the army, and they couldn't find me. 
And I've gone back to try to find me as a truck driver at companies, and they tell me I don't exist. Yeah, I never oh did exist. God. Yeah, so my my I, I'm a real curious creature. So I've done so what TJ's I So TJ's a figment of her own imagination. I think so, but I have died yeah. a couple of times. Well, let's get back to Janet now that she's on here, because Janet has interesting ways of putting the dots together. But Janet, uh, she has agreed to help us know who's who. She has a very interesting uh, photo group I've posted on UFO Association to start for who's who. And then she also knows uh, the Truth Magazine gentleman, Gary Heselton. You're going to have him on our show, one of them, either a crane or a Marcy Radio or both. But uh, I'm trying to figure out how how we can – I sent her uh, an editor on the UFO Association since I'm rebuilding it. But uh, pulling it together, her and then Ahmed, of course, it's me, you, and Ahmed, and her now. But we also have the gentleman uh, with Ahmed. Ahmed got him a a UFO show. Uh, Ahmed, go ahead and mention his name so we can give him a quick perk. What's his name? Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, Russ Kellett. Yeah, Russ Kellett's been on our show a number of times, and he's over there. don't know what part of the U.K., but he's over in that side of the ocean. We'll have to and connect the dots show, and rest me. She's yeah, he been on has his a show, show just too. before your show on Sunday nights. Uh, oh, he yeah. does. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, he, fluff, he wonderful. fluffs for you. <laughs> He's my fluffer. So we, <laughs> Yay. So we have <laughs> this show, my show. You know, I used wait, to wait, put one person on at a time. Yeah, so, Tina, you said you met Russ. How did you meet Russ Kellett? I've met him originally on Facebook, and um, I've uh-huh. contacted him, and we've uh, I spoke to him uh, on his radio show actually, uh, skyped him and um, messaged him. Uh, Russ has uh, been all over the papers here in the UK uh, about his, yes. um, you know, military with the um, abduction, and uh, there's quite a lot that's coming to light. Um, both me and him have very similar things happen to us. He, I was taken. Uh, or became unwell um, a little while ago and was taken into hospital. And what happened to me actually happened to Russ as well. It wasn't until I was on his show and told him what happened to me. And he he put a plea out to everyone that the same thing had happened to him and he couldn't believe the similarities between our cases. And uh, the, well, what um, happened? He said about... So what I became unwell. Similar? Uh, so um, I was taken... Uh, one evening, and quite white light episode happened, and um, um, there's an incident involving one of my family members, and they we were on a craft somewhere, and um, they were um, they had one of my relatives that they were unconscious on a bed, and I was I was awake, and um, and needless to say, um, it looked like a human with a pig's mask on was in the room. And with this uh-huh. little white... Oh, I've seen them. Female. Yeah, and, um, and uh, I tried to move and I couldn't. And this thing hit me in the back of the arm. And he realised I was awake and he grabbed this, what looked like a two-pronged crystal yellow fork and touched me in the head with it. And I tried to stand back and it didn't work. He touched me on the forehead with it and it didn't work. And he looked at this thing, looked at the creature as if to say, what the hell? And he got like, kind of stabbed me again in the head. And I don't remember nothing. The next morning when I wake up, 
my mum is coming down the stairs and I thought, do I tell her what I saw last night? I was like, my mum was unconscious on this like dentist chair bed and he was holding her hand talking to her. She was, you know, she was unconscious. The first words out of her mouth as she was coming down the stairs was, you never guess what kind of freaky dream I had last night. And I'm like, what, mum? She said, I was, I was talking to an old dead woman. She was holding my hand and her hand was so cold it burnt my hand and she opened her hand and her hand was red this had been the same hand this bloke had been holding and talking to her he touched her shoulder and he was talking to her I learned over talking to her in her ear well I could see what was going on and um and I had my pajamas on and like short pajama top and she said oh my god Tina what's happened to your arm now remember I said I thought I tried to stand back and I couldn't and something hit me in the back of the arm I had these uh two or three inches round circular marks on the back of my arm I didn't know I couldn't see and she grabbed my arm and I felt it it's like you know when you have an inoculation when they stick you with a needle in the arm and you get like a swelling in your arm it felt like that on the back of my arm so by that day I became increasingly worse I had fever I became very hot and I collapsed and they called an um, ambulance so I was upstairs on the toilet and uh, became unwell my partner came up I couldn't breathe on the floor they phoned an ambulance, an ambulance came out and they got the equipment out and the equipment failed and they couldn't get the equipment battery to charge to um, bring me round. Um, they, so they phoned another ambulance, another ambulance came up and that equipment didn't work near me, it failed. Um, and uh, they got another ambulance that came and they put me in the ambulance. By then I think they managed to bring me round and the equipment was working. Recess quarantine. So they had away, three different, my three different ambulances. You're saying three different ambulances yeah. came and couldn't, and the third one finally worked because the um the battery or the charge or the machine wouldn't work near me. It just stopped working, and um they took me to the uh, general hospital in Southampton, and um or they took me into the recess this recess room and then into like a quarantine like holding room in the emergency um, department in the serious injury unit. They took me there. I had um, blood tests, scans and x-rays and they came in and said, um, my doctor came in and I had this breathing equipment on and she said, um, we're going to take some more blood. She said, we can't make out what's gone on, but you've had a serious like kind of injury in the brain where we, there's no blood clot or anything but there's a huge piece of like pressure inside your brain that's gone it's like you've had a, a like a seizure or like a clot or a stroke or something but we can't find any evidence of it so it's quite serious we'll have to get it looked at um and then she said i'll be back so about an hour passed i think they put me on some uh fluids or something and i was still in this room i wasn't allowed to leave this room i couldn't anyway i was felt weak um, I, you know, I felt very disorientated, very like fevery hot. Um, next thing I know, my doctor walked in um, to check me over again. She looked just then. The doors opened, the double doors. Now there's cameras at the CCTV in A and E now. This woman um, dressed in yellow in a bright yellow suit with a yellow face mask on, um, with yellow gloves on and a yellow apron that covered her, came in with a foreign-looking lady who was dressed in a military uniform but didn't have any enzymes or tags or nothing like a plain uniform. And the doctor said, what do you think we're doing? I'm trying to um, examine my patient. And with that, this woman stepped behind with the yellow stuff on, 
step forward, grab my arm, pull my arm forward. I was defenseless. So I couldn't do anything. She stabbed me in the arm. She was taking lots of blood. And my doctor was physically leaning over me, trying to stop this woman. She said, what are you doing? At this point, my doctor ran out. Of the, I know she didn't. At first, she said to her, this other woman, why are you taking my patient? Because this other lady grabbed the bed. And she said, oh, we've got a bed. She said, no, you haven't. She said, where are you taking my patient? She said, I don't know. She said, well, what, how do you know where you're taking my patient if you don't know where you're going? At that point, my doctor left the room. The woman with a like, respirator and like the yellow mask and all that on took the rest of my blood and left the room. And with that, the uh, woman in this uniform pulled my bed on her own, physically pulled the bed. My mum and my partner were, didn't know corridor. And I wound up in uh, isolation quarantine unit for uh, three days. And um, I had to go to the toilet in there. Uh, there was a toilet. They took blood in there that never left the room. I don't know why. They um, they give me antibiotics. They brought my meals in. They were all dressed in quarantine clothes and they came in. And at the end of the three days, I couldn't leave. Um, I, I was able to leave and a nurse came in who didn't recognize me didn't know what I was doing there and a doctor that never even saw me or knew my case signed off saying that I had migraine and that, that I could be discharged and they sent me home with loads of different medication and I thought they don't keep you in quarantine for three days and give you IV antibiotics and uh, for three days if you've got a migraine um that was that and he said the same thing happened to him when he came back and he was ill they, they they took him for three days, put him in quarantine, and um, they said that he'd had migraine too. Sent him home after three days, exactly the same thing. And I've noticed the decline of, of our medical facilities because my husband and I just spent last Saturday in the hospital, and they don't really tell you much about what's okay. going on. They poke and prod you and take blood and do all kinds of things, and we were there like eight hours or something, and... Uh, so you were there for days, and so they just uh, send you home with something. They don't really tell you what was going on the whole time. So do you think that because we're uh, contacting experiencers, abductees or something, that there's something going on and perhaps that we're very valuable that they do fix us and send us on our way? What do you, what's your, I, you probably have some thoughts about what was going on. And maybe you and Russ connected the dots. What do you think was really happening? Well, I'll, to be honest with you, I either think that, um, one, you can't pass it off as what happened to you as a dream because if you had a dream and you're being stabbed in your dream, you don't expect to wake up to find needle marks on you or where you've been stabbed. So it's not a dream. And if you're coming back right. and you're infected or you've been inoculated, or you've been given something, it's obviously something foreign to your body, foreign to the world or the country you're living in, and you could be a potential carrier or threat to the human race, or they could be enhancing you or giving you something, whatever it is, affects us. So uh, it may be very right. ill for a couple of days. And um, so but I think abductees are special, but I, I, I don't know why. One thing that stands out to me, and it wasn't until um, somebody in the... Um, because I didn't know a lot about abduction and anything like that until David Hodron uh, did my case and he spoke to me and I understood a lot more about what happened and what was going on. It's um, I didn't know I had um, I'm O-rhesus negative. I didn't even know what that meant. 
wasn't till um, I had a, um, uh, a public pregnancy when I was younger, a ruptured at public pregnancy, and I found out I had O-resist negative blood. And I'm like, well, what is that? He said, well, everybody on the planet uh, is um, positive until a few thousand years ago. Nobody know where, knows where O-resist negative blood comes from or even doesn't know. I'm um, one of less than 5% of the whole human population. So, um, so well, I'm the same way. And... I have, I have O negative blood too. So, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they like us. There's, there's three of us here. <laughs> oh, they like us. <laughs> so, did you know Eric von Daniken has O recent negative as well? Oh, interesting. Special. We're special. They want to preserve us. Um. I, I don't get anything negative from it. I think that uh, if they wanted us dead, they would have killed us a long time ago. Um, they're bothering, they're you know, they're they're bothering to do stuff about it, right? Well, um, I'm a positive, yeah. so that would well, leave me out. Cause what the O well, negative means, what the O negative means is you lack the Reese's monkey gene that everybody else carries. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah, and that's getting back to the unlucky. You're more monkey than we are, I think. That's what <laughs> that means. But you could be, it could be, um, are, is there anybody in your family with the rhesus negative blood? Yeah, my sister. That you're aware of? Okay, so you just it just skipped you, but it's in your family, so you could, ca- you could carry it to the next generation, I think. I'm not a geneticist, but. No. I don't really think it has – now, people can argue it all day, but I don't think that the blood type – I think uh, – this is just me, but I've heard pros and cons on that from from very educated people in the medical field. But they're more about the DNA and the um, breaking down the brain into the uh, – they found out there's more in the neurons and, than anything else. And uh, our autonomic nervous system and how it interacts with the brain – more so than the blood, and uh, this is something that everybody wants to believe they're different, so we just accept the rumors and folklore, but we don't know for sure. But from what I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis with my daughter with leukemia and then learning health-wise is that a lot of this stuff we think, we don't know if it's real or if it's imagined or uh, if it's our consciousness, if it's unconscious, if it's part of our superconscious, or if we're actually just an illusion, if you count the dimensions we're all supposedly or allegedly in, according to quantum entanglement, right? Quantum mechanics. So it depends on what level of existence you want to speak about. But on this radio show, we discuss anything from A to Z. But, you know, blood types, I, want, I don't want to just put people, stereotype them into positive and negative. That's too easy. It's, it really is more... I think what Tina and me and you and probably even Ahmed, but we're human, we're Terrans, and we don't really know how much of us are from what star system or what galaxy or what universe. But by the time we get here, we were sort of going with the panspermia. We could be millions, if not billions of years old, and we just keep coming in and out of these bodies and going up in the air. But I'd like to somehow have people start connecting all those things out there in space uh, with the tether, David Serrata, the guy in Canada. You know, the things that you can sort of see, they're little white germs or ETs out there floating in space when we're out in space. 
but they're part of our reality. And I don't understand why we don't talk more about the germs and the aliens. And uh, do you know what I'm talking about, Tina? Yes. Those yeah, that's a different circles. type of. Yeah. So that is the um, so that the little things you talk about is they did um, uh, so there's a gentleman called um, let me think of his name. He's been on Ancient Aliens, and I've met him a few times. What's his name? Um, it'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, he's wrote a book. He's wrote quite a few books. And he did, uh, as part of an experiment uh, that they showed on television, that uh, they sent a weather balloon up to space. And um, uh, on, when they went to space, they said only germs or molecules of just, say, six centimetres can leave our planet. But they're measuring, they sent this weather balloon up, and um, as it came back down to Earth, it was bringing back with it bacteria from space, living organisms from space, up to 23 centimetres. So it proves that bacteria or, or life is coming to our world, biologically, from space and surviving in space and coming to Earth and living. And it goes again, uh, that... Um, Francisco Carrera, the head of politics, did a, uh, they had like a, a blood rain or rain or something happened in uh, Portugal. And uh, when they went there and collected the scientific evidence, in this rain and the, the water drops, they found alien bacteria. They said this thing under a microscope had tentacles. And when they put a, um, like a lens on top of the microscope, uh, it put its like, tentacle out to stop it being squashed, which showed intelligence. These things are tiny dots inside water. That is life coming to us. That is other bacteria. That is other life forms. That is other intelligence. If it has intelligence to defend itself, then there's more going on here, and there's more in the exopolitics world about things like that that's coming to more in, more light in recent times, and more scientists are um, saying that, and again, going back to the blood issue, that Janet is right as well. I mean, all it means is like the O-Reese negative, but it also means we don't carry antigens. People with positive blood carry antigens. O-negative or Reese negative don't have antigens in their blood. That's another thing. So, um, you know, there's lots of scientific questions that the, the uh, scientific community look up and look into that are being raised now and looked at more. It's just not widely known at this point in time. It's out there if you look for the information or you watch these programs. Um, but um, Andrew Collins, that's the name of the gentleman, um, he does things like with crop circles on ancient aliens. He's wrote loads of books about the skull, uh, these skulls and things like that. And I think there's a picture of a couple of pictures of me and him on my Facebook page. But um, he does all things like that, wrote, wrote Is that you talking, Janet? <laughs> oh, and, uh, sorry. I'm looking up antigens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be yeah. nice on YouTube. Yeah, Everybody yeah she's... Janet she, <laughs> yeah, she's Forget. right about that. It, it, is, it does have to do a lot. I was just putting, when I said no monkey gene, I was just putting out the basic information. <laughs> I may be part monkey. I think some of us may... Have the uh, I was born with black hair and the dark skin or red skin. I was a definite American with black hair, red skin, but I had hazel eyes. And then I turned out to be white after the military and after I saw those shows, uh, 
that little girl that said, they're here, that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Turning <was> white. <laughs> yeah, I started believing in poltergeist, but that little girl died of some kind of terrible ailment. You know, there's a lot of spooky, strange uh, things we can go into, and we've only got about 10 minutes left, everybody. But, uh, Tina, if uh, if it's up to Matt and Janet, they're the ones, you know, you and I hooked up on Facebook for I don't even know how you and I found each other. It must have been over that UFO Secret Space Group or Derek Sims or was it Russ Kellett? I don't even know how we got together, you know, but we found yes. a, lot of the same, a lot of the same friends. Um, I met Travis Walton. I spoken to him. I met Eric Von Daniken, and he told me about uh, he had a meeting with NASA, and he did a show here in the UK, and he came over and did uh, the UK um, uh, thing last July, and I met him there, and he gave a great speech about how he spoke to NASA, and NASA told him that aliens are real. I spoke to Nick Pope from MI16. Uh, He does all the uh, stuff in America now, um, and they have him on the news in America a lot, um, and uh, about UFOs. I've spoken to Mike Barr, who does ancient aliens and conferences, and Paula Harris. She's one of the few women in um, ufology. And he spoke earlier about like Peru and the ancient aliens. And I've spoken to Brian Foster as well. Um, he does like Puma Pinku, Tewa Tewa Khan, and lots of things like that about ancient aliens. Um, and I've spoken to John Schmidt from the USA. He does things with uh, Roswell and the White House and uh, things like that. And uh, there's lots of people with many years' experience in different fields all saying the same thing. So everybody kind of can't be wrong. And there's a lot to what um, Teresa and Janet says. You know, they are putting together bits of their life and my life, and more people have more in common then they think it's just getting their stories out and getting the people to understand it and open their eyes and look around them and look at different. That's a very good point. And, yes, we do fill a void that apparently has uh, not, not been a void in our ancient history, but somehow it's got forgotten or torn up or exploded or, I don't know, uh, bombed off or whatever <laughs> torn up, burn up, whatever. So I believe somehow or another throughout time that, at least on this planet, that somehow our ancient history with aliens, extraterrestrials, is is out there here and there maybe in petroglyphs or hieroglyphs or, you know, just maybe it'll come up through the um, plates, plates and make mountains and go under the seashores and all that. But um, somehow or another, it feels like, in my mind anyway, and Tina, you can, you know, help us out here by getting to know people that think similar to us, that their alien civilizations exist and that we are all a part of that. Uh, it just depends on what we want to discover inside ourselves. All of us are important. Everyone is the author of their own life story and body, mind, spirit and birth, life and death is part of that story. And uh, I, I miss the people that go the other side. I want to know what happens to us when we leave. And the only thing I've been able to experience is my past life experiences and my near-death experiences and coming back over and over again in this body going, oh, I'm back. 
some well, dog I and think, I. Go ahead, Jenna. Yeah, I think Tina gave us a clue. When and say that again, Tina. They're telling you that they come and go in their bodies, and that's not who they are. And they're able to do it consciously. Now, the story of Errol the Gray, the Roswell Gray, uh, one that was taken into the facility and and interrogated, Errol the Gray revealed that I am not this, uh, and she called it a doll baby, a doll body, a doll. I'm not this doll. Uh, And so when everybody's all freaked out when she quote-unquote died, but she came back later and talked to the nurse, and she said, I'm not dead. I just was done delivering my message, and I left that doll, which isn't me. It kind of reminds me of the movie Avatar, and I, I know they're doing three sequels, um, but I think it, we're, we're giving these clues about what happens when we die. So I have, I have been talking lately about all the different, quote-unquote, ghosts that have been coming to me all my life. And uh, what they communicated to me when they came to me, because I said, why are you talking to me, right, of all the people on the planet? They said, we're right there. And when you can finally see, when you let go, it's like you shift your vision uh, like a dog can hear a different frequency. We're right there. So there is no death. It's just a a vibratory frequency. And we're somehow choosing, because we are the author of our own, our own existence, not just our life story, but our own existence. We create our reality. We're choosing not to see that spectrum because we're kind of shooted into it. You shouldn't see ghosts because ghosts are demonic. And if you see ghosts, you're crazy. We have a, a, a self-policing society that keeps us in this little narrow perspective box. But that, that, that ET that conveyed to Tina, we're, we're moving in and out of these forms all the time. Don't get attached to me appearing as a tall white or a gray or a reptile or whatever because it's just, it's like jumping into a different car. I mean, when I go to, it's kind of like the away mission on Star Trek. When I go to, you know, Zeta Reticula, I'm going to put on my gray body because that's what everybody's wearing down there and I want to be in style. But, uh, is that you know, that's my what I'm getting from all this. And I know you have a, a daughter who's going to be passing soon, and it's extremely sad. But don't be surprised if she doesn't come in and talk to you, because my mother and father both came to me within a day or two of their passing, and we had full-on conversations. Jesus. And then when Michael Jackson died in 2009, um, they came again. You know, Michael Jackson said, here's your parents. You think they're dead? They're right here. Okay, go ahead. Back to somebody else. Thanks. Sorry, Sarah. I That is so freaky that you said that I mean I just think you're, you've hit the nail on the head I think certain people will have a better perception or just not more altered or just have a perception to that because now I, when, I'd, I'd mentioned about my ectopic pregnancy earlier um, just after my ectopic pregnancy because I'm allergic to anaesthetics they couldn't bring me around and I had a convulsion um, in the operating theatre now I died and um, this experience is like your out-of-body experience, dying. What I've got to tell you now is what happened to me was it, I didn't really, I could hear. They were trying to bring me round, and all of a sudden, when you're consciousness, you're looking at your eyes. I wasn't because I was sedated. I, I, the bright light white, the light took me. And it's like when you're out of your body, at that point in time, when you die, 
you don't remember your name or who you are for whatever a couple of seconds. You, your consciousness is no longer in your brain. It's like in the middle of your body, like in a cell. And when this light takes you, like it's the most god-awful fear for like a split second. It's like primeval fear. I've never felt it before in my life. But when the light takes you, it's like it clicks onto you and yaks you to the light. And you feel total, utter peace, like beyond peace and love. It's so... But the second I got to the top, this, what I want to say, looked like alien hands. It looked black because the light was so bright white light behind it. It reached out to pull me up. And as it grabbed me, it, it was like a female, I want to say female voice. There's this voice, like another black hand that reached over and touched this other, like, being hand and said, she's not ready yet. And it let me go. And as they dropped me back down to come back into my body because I thought I'm, I'm never going to find my way back. Um, they were yanking me back. And um, Jesus, what she said really looked, touched a chord inside me. And then again, when my father got killed, I saw him he, in, in literally, he wasn't the only one. My mum, we both saw him at the, in the same room together a couple of nights later after he got killed. So you can come back from... Um, dying your soul or spirit it depends how the like the how your spirit is whether you're tuned to do that or whether you're tuned to see spirits but that's exactly the same thing that like happened to me and if they choose to move bodies like she said about the doll grave um then that's something they can do we probably could do that and have forgotten how to do that but when you die that is what happens there is the egyptians had it right there is an afterlife whether they had a ceremony to contact the dead or whether they were, you know, they're different to us. I don't know, but there's a lot to what Janet is saying that is, is struck a chord with me. A lot of it is very bright. She's very on the bottom of what she said. Well, we come down to what consciously we share in self-organization and the social sciences, spontaneous order. But we can look that up and see if we vibrate because could consciousness come down to actual vibrations, and we're discussing that in science. So human brain waves, beta, alpha, theta, gamma, delta, sigma, tau, and just think about that. And hopefully, we've only got a minute, folks. So you can reach Tina Bird on Facebook, myself, Teresa J. Morris, on Facebook, Janet Lesson and Aquarian Radio on Facebook, a mad painter. And I don't know if you go by Thomas Becker, but definitely a mad painter on Facebook. But we're putting together the UFO Association for people that we feel have a right to be uh, in a who's who directory. So if you know somebody or you'd like to recommend somebody in our UFO Association, do. Uh, we'll have some like Jay Allen Hynek with the uh, group in Chicago that I met. And, of course, UFO Mutual UFO Association and uh Stanton Friedman, George Feiler, and, uh, of course, Jan Harzan's on there now. I've got me and I've got uh, Tina, but we're going to put Janet and Amanda in there. I don't know if they want to be under uh, radio show hosts for sure, but uh, researchers, uh, ufologists, a lot of ufologists would get mad because we're not out there doing the same things they're doing in MUFON, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. We've got aliencontact.org, UFO Association, ACO Association, 
and uh, all three working together with American Communications Online. And Janet, I did mention Aquarian Radio in the beginning, and that you had, we'd talked to you and that you'd been held up. So we hope you will post this on Aquarian Radio. And again, it'll be on Spreaker, YouTube, iTunes, FM Radio, a lot of wherever you get your podcasts. So I'd like to thank everybody. And uh, Janet, uh, we'd like to have Tina Bird back when you can book her. And I certainly will, Tina. If you will come back, I'll find a date that works for all of us. Lovely. Thank you. I'd love to um, come back again. And thank you for having me on your show, ladies. Oh, I just well, we're them. so delighted. Tommy. Tommy showed up here at the last, uh, but this will run over. So, Tommy, you want to say hi to Tina? Can you hear me? Hi, Tina. <laughs> Hi, John. Hi. Hello, Tommy. Hi, everybody. Hi. I just saw him. Everything's going crazy where I am. What's going on over there, Tommy, real quick? It'll be at the end of the show. I I, I don't want to talk about it on the phone now. Uh, It's just so crazy. Uh, Okay. Well, I know you're doing a book, Tommy. Yeah, the UFO stuff's going crazy. I put two good videos up. I'm going to put a couple more up today. Okay. I didn't get to shoot any buttons. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and we'll all be here. Uh, Tommy's got his show here on Blog Talk under Hawk's Blood 1. Janet Carol Lesson has her show, Aquarian Radio. Uh, Matt has his on Revolution.Radio on Sunday mornings, uh, A Mad Look at Reality, and Open Canvas on Monday night, A Mad Painter. And uh, hopefully we're all the originals, so hope you'll come back. And Tina is new with the UFO Association Association. ACO Association, Alien Contact Org, but definitely you can find her on Facebook. And now she has a page on UFO Association as Tina Berg in the UK. So please look her up. Let us know if you want to work with us or anybody else that are out there doing UFO work or alien contact work. And uh, we're all going to get together in a big alliance. We also have tomorrow night the Allied Command with uh, – astronaut types uh ken johnston senior will be here uh same time seven o'clock eastern and uh i'm not sure but i think i were pastor and maybe alien stuff but imagine you know any of you three want to come back tomorrow or four now with tommy you're all welcome on friday nights okay so we'll get this okay thank you thank tina you. We thank you everybody Thank you, Matt. Thank you so Everybody much. call me when you want. And mm-hmm. if you can reach me. All right. Okay, love and Bye. light. All right. Love and light. Aloha. Good night. Good night. Are we going? Good night. Okay, I guess we are. <laughs>